Chapter Six of Hearts of Controversy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Hearts of Controversy by Alice Maynell. The Century of Moderation. After a long literary revolt, one of the recurrences of imperishable romance against the eighteenth-century authors a reaction was due and it has come about roundly we are guided back to admiration of the measure and moderation and shapeliness of the augustan age and indeed it is well enough that we should compare not necessarily check some of our habits of thought and verse by the mediocrity of thought and perfect propriety of diction of pope's best contemporaries if this were all but the eighteenth century was not content with its sure and certain genius suddenly and repeatedly it aspired to a noble rage it is not to the wild light hearts of the seventeenth century that we must look for extreme conceits and for extravagance but to the later age to the faultless to the frigid dissatisfied with their own propriety there were straws i confess in the hair of the older poets the eighteenth-century men stuck straws in their periwigs. That time, surpassing and correcting the century, then just past in taste, was resolved to make a low leg to no age, antique or modern, in the chapter of the passions, nay, to show the way to fire the nations. Addison taught himself, as his hero, taught the doubtful battle, where to rage, and in the later years of the same literary century, Johnson himself summoned the lapsed and alien and reluctant fury. Take such a word as matted, the matted land. There indeed is a word created for the noble rage, as the eighteenth century understood it. Look you, Johnson himself could lodge the fury in his responsible breast. A dubious title shakes the matted land. There is no author of that time of moderation and good sense who does not thus more or less eat a crocodile it is not necessary to go to the bad poets we need go no lower than the good and gasping furies thrust their blood in vain says pope seriously but the sense of burlesque never leaves the reader also there purple vengeance bathed in gore retires in the only passage of the dunciad meant to be poetic and not ironic and spiteful he has the panting gales of a garden he describes match me such an absurdity among the conceits of the age preceding a noble and ingenious author so called by high authority but left anonymous pretends it is always worth pretending with these people never find fiction or a frank lie that on the tomb of virgil he had had a vision of that deceased poet crowned with eternal bays my ravished eyes beheld the poet's awful form arise. Virgil tells the noble and genius one that if Pope will but write upon some graver themes, envy to black cockatus shall retire and howl with furies in tormenting fire. Genius, says another authoritative writer in prose, is caused by a furious joy and pride of soul. If, leaving the great names, we pass in review the worst poets we find, in pope's essay on the art of sinking in poetry 
things like these gathered from the grave writings of his contemporaries in flaming heaps the raging ocean rolls whose livid waves involve despairing souls the liquid burnings dreadful colors show some deeply red and others faintly blue and a war-horse his eyeballs burn he wounds the smoking play and knots of scarlet ribbon deck his mane and a demon provoking demons all restraint remove here is more eighteenth-century propriety the hills forget their fixed and in their fright cast off their weight and ease themselves for flight the woods with terror winged outfly the wind and leave the heavy panting hills behind and again from nat lee's alexander the great when glory like the dazzling eagle stood perched on my beaver in the granite flood when fortune's self my standard trembling bore and the pale fate stood frighted on the shore of these lines with another couplet dr warburton said that they contain not only the most sublime but the most judicious imagery that poetry could conceive or paint and here are lines from a tragedy for me anonymous should the fierce north upon his frozen wings bear him aloft above the wandering clouds and seat him in the pleiad's golden chariot thence should my fury drag him down to tortures again kiss while i watch thy swimming eyeballs roll watch thy last gasp and catch thy springing soul it was the age of common sense we are told and truly but of common sense now and then dissatisfied common sense here and there ambitious common sense of a distinctively adult kind taking on an innocent tone i find this little affectation in pope's word sky where a simpler poet would have skies or heavens pope has sky more than once and always with a little false air of simplicity and one instance occurs in that masterly and most beautiful poem the elegy on an unfortunate lady is there no bright reversion in the sky yes my boy we may hope so is the reader's implicit mental aside if the reader be a man of humour let me however suggest no disrespect towards this lovely elegy of which the last eight lines have an inimitable greatness a tenderness and passion which the epistle of eloisa makes convulsive movements to attain but never attains and yet how could one by an example place the splendid seventeenth century in closer in slighter yet more significant comparison with the eighteenth than thus here is ben jonson what beckoning ghost besprent with april dew hails me so solemnly to yonder you and this is pope's improvement what beckoning ghost along the moonlight shade invites my steps and points to yonder glade but pope follows this insipid couplet with two lines as exquisitely and nobly modulated as anything i know in that national metre tis she but why that bleeding blossom gored why dimly gleams the visionary sword that indeed is music in english verse the counterpart of a great melody not of a tune the eighteenth century matched its desire for wildness in poetry with a light craving in gardens the symmetrical and architectural garden so magnificent in italy 
and stately though more rigid and less glorious in france was scorned by the eighteenth-century poet gardeners why because it was artificial and the eighteenth century must have nature nay passion there seems to be some plan of passion in pope's grotto stuck with spar and little shells truly the age of the rape of the lock and the elegy was an age of great wit and great poetry yet it was untrue to itself i think no other century has cherished so persistent a self-conscious incongruity as the century of good sense and good couplets it might have kept uncompromised the dignity we honor but such inappropriate pranks have come to pass in history now and again the bishop of hereford in mary barnsdale danced in his boots but he was coerced by robin hood end of chapter six end of hearts of controversy by alice Maynell.